What we, we just sang is uh, really absolutely astounding that uh, God has continued over 2,000 years to uh, empower the church filled with broken people to carry out the gospel, to work out his purposes. As we're looking in the, the book of Acts at that beginning church and their hazardous journey, but the security that is in Christ, we, we marvel and we, we consider that this, this uh, church, this 120 people who were gathered in an upper room after Jesus had died, uh, after he'd been raised from the dead and come among them for 40 more days and then was Flew up to, to heaven, ascended in, into heaven, and now the Spirit has come upon them, these, just these 120 people, in this, this space where they were considered the weirdest of the weirds. I mean, they were this religious group that had one God in a day when everybody worshipped many gods. The, the more gods, the better. Uh, in, in, a, in a day where uh, there was even persecution against them, where there was no reason, no human reason for anyone to become a Christian in those days. And yet, in the power of the Spirit, that 120 people then shared a message. A message of good news. A message that we call the gospel. And that took seed and has grown and has grown and has grown over these 2,000 years to where now the, the church of Jesus Christ is the, the largest institution in the world. And, and not only that, in the middle of our, in the midst of our brokenness still, I mean, it's not perfect by any means. We know all kinds and are horrified by the events that we in the church can do, but we also see the powerful work of God over time to, to bring about supernatural changes to our world that is a sign you know, of, of God's faithfulness and of this message. It's 2,000 years old. With just 120 people now spread throughout the world, having impact even today. I mean, we can see it even in our own city. In a day when it's easy to throw mud at the church, and rightfully so. But even then, we still live in a city where the the places of health are often named after biblical characters. One is even Christ Hospital itself. Or good Samaritan. Where, where did those, and those are just our own simple signs of many positive work that the, that the Spirit has done through this message that we'll explore today. Through the, the power of the Spirit, through people committed to following Jesus with a message that has changed the world, has changed my life, and continues to change the world today. And so what we're going to look at today is the, the first sermon of the church from the Apostle Peter as he shares with us that defining message that has 
just as it was then, is our defining message today. It's found in the, the, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, on page 910 of your pew Bible. If you want to follow it along there, or you can follow along the screen, or you can turn on your Bible and uh, look at it there, wherever um, you want to see it. It's chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 17. But let's, let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we give you thanks for your word. Thank you for this message of your truth. And help us to hear and apply what you would say to us this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So as I said, you know, Jesus had died. He had died for three days. Then he came back to life. Then he flew up to heaven before the disciples after hanging out with them for about 40 days. And the Spirit has now come upon this 120 believers. And they have then been empowered, as we looked at last week, as uh, Daryl shared with us last week, that uh, they're now empowered to speak in the language of all the other people that are around us. Big festival going on in Jerusalem. And they're now empowered in languages they didn't know. But the Spirit comes upon them so that they can speak the language of the people to share this message um, with all who are gathered. And it, it, obviously, you got 120 people. You're speaking all a bunch of different languages around. It's going to be rather chaotic. And some of the people that are gathered at this setting are like, man, what's going on with these people? This is quite a party. They must be drunk. And it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. And so that's, that's Peter's intro to his sermon. Brothers and sisters, we are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes straight from there to quoting from the prophet Joel. And, uh, start with verse 17. It's the beginning of his, his quote. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, so the first thing, before we get to the message, it's important to know who's the message for. You know, who is this? Who is the intended audience for this message? And he's quoting from Joel, so a prophet from long ago. And he's saying, this Joel, he told us, God told us this was going to happen. That the Spirit was going to happen. These crazy things were going to happen. And he told us to prepare us for this day. And he wants us to know that this message is for everyone. That he totally destroys all social divisions. By quoting from a prophet hundreds and hundreds of years ago. One of the things you'll see, and this has been God's plan from the beginning. What Jesus does here, this message is nothing new. It's what God has been planning from the beginning. And this message is for everyone. In a day that was male-dominated, that women had no rights, he's saying, listen, there's going to be men and women filled with the Spirit who are going to be speaking forth the Word of God. There's going to be young and old in a day when the young had no rights. 
I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it was a common practice in those days. Well, not common, but a regular practice for folks. If they didn't want their baby, they just took the baby and dropped the baby on the town dump. It's called infant exposure. And, and in those days, I told you, infants had no rights. Children were a drain on the family until the day they were able to work. And that was how it was seen. Well, and then I mean, God is through prophet Joel hundreds of years ago. Now through Peter saying this message is for everyone. Men, women, young and old. It is for even the rich and the servants. Even the servants are filled with the spirit speaking God's word forth. This message is for everyone. And consider with me the person who's delivering it. This, this gives great joy to all preachers that Peter's delivering the first one. Because it was just a couple months ago that Peter, who was the, one of the, the, the closest disciples to Jesus, and he met with Jesus and Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said to him, I'll be with you to the end. I will die with you. And Peter followed him uh, surreptitiously as Jesus was arrested, taken to trial, and then hung on the cross. And he gathered with the crowd there as Jesus was hanging with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, as Jesus was dying. And a young woman came up to Peter and said, Hey, don't you know him? No, I don't know him. Don't even know his name. Three times, Peter denied Jesus to his face while he was hanging on the cross. Talk about weak and broken and lack of faith, totally self-serving. Here was Peter. And yet now, we stand, about two months later, after Jesus returning... reconciling with Peter, bringing the Spirit upon him. Here is Peter now taking front and center at the first presentation of the message of the good news. And he is the illustration. You want to qualify to be a part of this message? You want to qualify to receive this message? Here's what is necessary. You have to be a rebellious, broken sinner. And you qualify. This message is for you. It is good news for you. So much so that even the people who are presenting it have to be rebellious, broken sinners. This message is for everyone. It's for you. You you may be sitting here saying that you don't qualify. Ask the person next to you. They'll tell you, you qualify. You may be thinking as well that there are people in your life that don't qualify. They're beyond it. No, they're, they, they, they'll never receive this good news. This good news is not for them. That's wrong. Don't give up. 
This good news is that powerful. And it's been Jesus' plan from the beginning. Been God's plan through the prophet Joel and now through Peter. He's telling you this good news is for anyone and everyone who are rebellious, broken sinners. There's a uh, member of the church, that, uh, a grandparent in the church who is saying, you know, just this, uh, this month... A grandchild that they've been praying for for 30 years has come to Christ uh, and will be baptized recently or uh, soon. You know, and just quite a journey. You know, 30 years, that's almost a short period of time. So never give up. Don't give up on yourself nor the other. You qualify and they qualify to hear this good news. Well, what is then this good news? What is this message? Well, let's uh, look then to chapter tw- or verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus... Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Then jump down to verse 36. So let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. This is the good news. This is the message. In its shortest form, Jesus is Lord of everything. There is nothing that he's not the boss of. Whether we believe it or not. I mean, it's a rather crazy, crazy claim. Peter is a group of 120 people who are the weirdest of the weirds. I mean, Peter's destined for his own crucifixion. And yet he's saying Jesus is Lord. Where does he come from to get such a crazy message? That Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is Lord. And that, that he has this kind of power? Well, yes, where does he get it? It's because he's seen it with his own eyes. He's heard it with his own ears that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is Lord even of death. Jesus is Lord of life. And what is revolutionary about is what he's saying is that Caesar is not. The emperor is not Lord. And there is no earthly power that is Lord of anything. Because Jesus is Lord of everything. He is the boss of death and of life. And he is the leader, the powerful leader, who leads in a way unlike any other human leader. Matter of fact, what is, cons- what is in, in that, that day considered absolutely asinine? The way that he leads. That he leads not out of power and might like Caesar. Not with bluster and armies. Uh, not with 
powerful buildings. He leads with love and compassion and grace. Hear his words in Luke chapter 22, verse 25. It's not on the screen. You can just listen to this one. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus is the Lord of everything. He's the Lord of death. He's the Lord of life. And He is the radical revolutionary Lord who leads in sacrificial love. Who comes to serve. He is the boss. If that's true. If that is really true. Then what are you worried about? Really? If Jesus is Lord of life and death. Then what is worry but within us. And anxiety within us. A way that we deny Jesus is the Lord. Yeah, I can only hearken back. So I was thinking about this to um, just uh, several years ago now, when we had three little ones in the house, and it was nighttime, and Kathy and I we were in bed asleep. And you know, if you're been around uh, children long enough, you know, there's some night there's going to be a nightmare. Something's going to happen, and they're going to come. Get um, in bed with mom and dad. Because they're scared and crying and weeping. And my children were smart enough to go to their loving mother. Who would then receive them in love and service. As their reluctant pouting father was on the other side of the bed. And then they would crawl in and fall fast asleep. Because they were safe. There's nothing that could hurt them there. Not even their pouting father who's fuming that they're sleeping in bed with us. They were good. Because in their mind at that time, mom and dad are Lord of everything. Even nightmares. That's who we are. In this life, if Jesus indeed, if, if the message of the church is true, that Jesus is Lord of everything. And if that is the message, then Peter continues, this is what we do. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what is the the, the call then? This this message is for everyone. And that it is Jesus is Lord of everything. And then the response to this message that Peter gives to all that are there and continues to us is to repent. Repent. Repent means to change direction of life. It means to fire whatever other boss you might have. And one article I was reading said, you got to fire the committee in your heart. They're no longer in charge. There is one who is the boss. There is one who is the boss of me. There is one who is the boss of you. And that is Jesus. And there is no better boss there's any word that I have found in my 55 years, I've followed a whole bunch of bosses. For the most part, I've tried to follow myself as the boss. And I know good and well, Jesus is a better boss than me. Jesus is a better boss than the pursuit of comfort. Jesus is the better boss than the, the pursuit of righteousness. Jesus is a a better boss in the pursuit of money. Jesus is the better boss than any other human being, any other thing you can think of. He is the one that we submit to. And to repent means I'm not going this way. I am actually where I am. I'm not going this way. I'm going that way. There's a picture of Jesus right there for those of you that can't see. He's the boss. I I was with a child of the church who's going to be baptized here um, uh, in the next several weeks, whenever grandpa can make it. And uh, I was with them and saying, so what does it mean to be baptized? And they, you know, one of the things they said, well, it means that I'm, I'm, I don't want to go on my path. I want to go on God's path. Yeah. You got it. You want to preach this Sunday? She, she didn't want to yet, but she will one day. I mean, 11 years old. I'm like, well, you're much further along than I was at 11. But that's what we say. That's what Peter's saying. Repent. Here's the new Lord. Your nation isn't the Lord. Money isn't the Lord. Your family isn't the Lord. Your best wisdom isn't the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who is the boss. And he's the one we submit to. So repent means I go this way and then baptized. Now I'm baptized. That's baptism's not a, a magical thing. It, but baptism is a powerful sign and seal of God's work in our life. And I, and baptism means immersion. Now I'm not getting into baptism arguments. You want to have that? Talk to somebody else. Um, but what I'm going to say, baptism is a sign of that repentance. And Paul says it well in Romans. He says we die to self when we go under and we come up alive in Christ. That we repent and are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. We now are alive in him that he's now our boss. 
He is on the throne in our lives. And we receive, as Peter says, our sins are forgiven. We are washed clean as we die to self. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit and now have the power of the Spirit to, on this journey of life, to submit to Him. Now, I wish I could tell you in one of my three conversion stories, I had three different ones, different points in life. Some of you can relate to that, where you had different times in your life. Oh, yeah, I'm following Jesus. Oh, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. But even uh, today, after 27 years in ministry, yeah, you know, my, my journey is up and down, roller coaster, side to side. It is, it is not one that I made a decision at a point in time and now follow Jesus perfectly. It is a journey of repenting and turning and repenting and turning. Yeah, it gets dizzy. But that is our journey in Him. That is the message for everyone and anyone who qualifies as a rebellious, broken sinner. Now, you're charged today. What's Jesus not the boss of in your life? I mean, what is it? What is he not the boss of? He's the boss of everything. Even when you're driving a car, he's the boss. Even when you're watching TV by yourself, he's the boss. Even when you're filling out your taxes, he's the boss. In every way, he is the boss. What's he not the boss of? Don't be a fool and think there's a better boss than Jesus. He's got more power than death and he's got more love than the whole world. He is the boss that leads to life, that leads to fullness. What is it that you're holding back? And maybe that's your question. That's the psalmist's question regularly. Show me if there's any evil way in me, David says. Maybe as we, as we come to the table here, as we celebrate that Jesus is a loving boss who, who is a servant king, who is an emperor of grace and mercy, we come to this table, maybe that's the question, Lord, show me. Show me where. And then don't try to fix it. Just run to Jesus. Don't, in your own self-reliance and own ability, your own will, try to fix what is broken, but run to bring it to Jesus. Because what, what we need to continue to grow in is realizing He is good. He is powerful. He is filled with love and life. And so when we come and eat His body and drink of His blood, we want that Him to nourish our faith, to deepen our soul in Him so that we are more and more rooted in Him, that we are freed more and more from all the bosses of this world. Because that's our message. That's been the message since the beginning. To be a community of people who say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the boss and nothing else is.